you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Hello, you're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you need to dial 702-650-5588. Again, if you're local and you'd like to join in on our discussion today, please dial 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That toll-free number is 800-366-8883. I say again, the toll-free number is 800 366 8883. We are being streamed live over KKVV's website, and that web address is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just wave to you. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, please visit Save the Lost at All Costs at our website, and our address is www.savethelostlv.org. Again, if you've missed any of our previous broadcasts, we have them archived for you on our website. The gospel is always free on our watch, and that web address is www.savethelostlv.org. Just look for radio broadcasts, their archive, click on to the date that you missed, or any date that the Holy Spirit leads you to. Get blessed, and remember, again, the gospel is always free on our watch. If you uh, have a Apple device, then we are being archived for free on iTunes as well. If you have a cell phone, and most of us do, I really encourage you to listen to KKVV over your cell. And you can listen to us right now. And the number that you can dial, and it only works in the United States, would be 563-999-3194. Again, that number is 563-999-3194. I strongly encourage you to put it in your cell phone contacts and be blessed. Now, our topic for today is called legitimate guilt. We are talking about legitimate guilt. At any given time, um, if you're human, you're going to feel guilty about something. But if I say we're going to talk about legitimate guilt, then there has to be illegitimate guilt or false guilt. So, Just think about this for a minute. Healthy guilt, unhealthy guilt. True guilt or false guilt. And it has to come from a source. Is it divine in nature? As generated by God? Or does it have a hurtful or evil intent? With no benefit. Either there's a benefit or there's not. And we have to be mindful of that. 
So if guilt helps us to grow spiritually and see the errors of our way or the choices that we make, I would conclude that it is divine in nature. Then if it's unhealthy guilt or false guilt, it either has two sources. Either it's going to be from us or it's going to be from Satan. So let's go to the scriptures and see what we can find out. So I would like us to go to Romans chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 19. Again, we're going to go to Romans chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 19. I'm in the New King James Version. And the Word of God says this. Verse 19. Now we know that whenever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You say, well, hmm, let's break that down. Now, I usually use a study Bible and I like to tell you what my study Bible says. So in Romans 3.19, my study Bible offers this. The last time someone accused you of wrongdoing, what was your reaction? Denial argument, or defensiveness. The entire world will be silent before God. No excuses or arguments will remain. Have you reached the point with God where you are ready to hang up your defenses and await his decision? If you haven't, stop now and admit your sin to him. If you have, The following verses are truly good news for you. Wow. (laughs) How many of us are still arguing with God about what we know that we've done? And truly, if we were to confess, we can operate and forgiveness and receive our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's forgiveness and the gift of repentance. See, your guilt should produce a contrite heart and repentance. That's true guilt. That's the guilt that makes us grow and get closer to God as we are sojourning through this world to go to our final home our real home in fellowship with God where we'll be able to be face to face that was very powerful now let's look at false guilt and we're going to look at a couple of sources so I am going to go over to 1 Corinthians and I'm going to look at chapter 8. Again, we're talking about legitimate guilt. But now we're going to go into false guilt, unhealthy guilt. Guilt that is not divine in nature. And it's important because this is something that we really need to get a handle on. 
because a lot of people are suffering so unnecessarily because of their perspective on it. So we are in 1 Corinthians, we are in chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 13. And the Word of God says this, verse 7, However, there is not in everyone that knowledge, for some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Eight, but food does not command us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we don't eat, we are the worse. Nine, but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. Ten, for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? 11. And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish from whom Christ died? 12. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. 13. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. And let's look at those scriptures. Now, Paul addresses these words to believers who weren't bothered by eating meat that had been offered to idols. Although idols were phony, and the pagan ritual of sacrificing to them was meaningless, eating such meat offended some Christians with sensitive consciences. Paul said, therefore, the mature believer should avoid eating meat offered to idols if it would violate the conscience of weak Christians. Christian freedom does not mean that anything goes. It means that our salvation is not obtained by good deeds or legalistic rules. It is the free gift of God, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. Christian freedom then is inseparably tied to Christian responsibility. New believers are often very sensitive to what is right or wrong, what they should or shouldn't do. Some actions may be perfectly all right for us, to do but may harm a Christian brother or sister who is still young in the faith and learning what the Christian life is all about. We must be careful not to offend a sensitive or younger Christian or by our example cause him or her to sin. When we love others, our freedom should be less important to us than strengthening the faith of a brother or sister in Christ. Yes, there are those who are weak among us, even as believers. As the study Bible points out, they're relatively young in their faith and in their walk. And initially, if we will recall, when we came into the faith, a lot was about, do we do this or do we do this? Or we should not do this or we should not do that. It was more trying to stay in line with the laws 
that had been handed down. We wanted to make sure that we were adhering to that. Until we started growing spiritually, then we started seeing uh, the new covenant as things as God had Christ lay out for us. And we had to realize that there were some choices that we were not going to partake in because it was symbolized that we had uh, a fellowship and a relationship with the world that was more important than our faith. But as we start growing and maturing, and some of us, our service to the kingdom means that we go out and we walk with people to minister to them who have little or no faith. And their behaviors would appear to be questionable to those who are just coming into the faith. And that is something that people sometimes can't differentiate. But all of us who serve, the Lord is very particular in who he sends us to and how we should minister because it's about bringing them into a relationship with Christ, showing them that this word is for them too, that the promises are for them too. So everyone is not called to a particular group of people. Everybody can't be a surgeon. And then those who are surgeons, everybody can't be a trauma surgeon because trauma surgeons deal with those people's lives who are very close to death. And it's usually some trauma that they have experienced greatly in their bodies. And it doesn't always look like there's life. But the trauma surgeon is trained to see that and find that and connect with that to bring the best possible result. So it's not for everybody to do certain types of work with certain type of people. So we have to be mindful that we that among the brethren suffer from weak consciousness and those of us who are stronger in the Lord must be mindful of that. So there's a lot of false guilt because there are people who say, well, I'm in permanent time out with Christ. I've, I've done this. I've done that. Constantly uh, asking and seeking if they are somehow spiritually separated. So we have to be mindful of that. So that's one source is that our own, a weak conscience. Now let's look at the second source for a false guilt. That would be Satan, the accuser. So let's go to the book of Revelation. And we are going to go to chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse 10. Again, we're talking about legitimate guilt. So we are in Revelation 12 and we are looking at verse 10. And the word of God says this. 
Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night and has been cast down. Well, Satan has not stopped accusing the brethren day and night. He's very good at showing you your most weakest and vulnerable actions that you did in a sinful type of state. So he's quick to show you that. However, he's an accuser. And accusers only go is about judgment. Making you pay the penalty. And the ultimate penalty that he is trying to achieve is for you to believe that you have been totally separated from God. That salvation is not for you. That forgiveness is not anything you should be trying to obtain because you'll never receive it. Repentance is not for you. Eternal life. No, you have cut yourself out of that promise because of something you've done or said or believed or considered. How can an accuser tell you your position with your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he and those who thought like him were thrown out of heaven because of their rebellion and their constant accusations day and night of the brethren? He did not die for you. Christ did. He did nothing to mediate with our Heavenly Father. Christ is the mediator. His blood was shed to pay for all sin, not some sin, of the world. So how can an accuser have that much influence over the Word of God. When the Word of God clearly tells you that it is Jesus who died for you to repay the full payment, the total payment of the sins of everyone in the world. So, it's about relationship and knowing who the Lord Jesus Christ is. So, it's false guilt. It does not help you grow spiritually. It does not show you the journey of growth. How you can benefit From being disciplined by God and being chastised by Him. Being rebuked, which means to be corrected in love. 
There's no love here with an accuser. Because it's not patient. It's not kind. It's not long-suffering. It's not slow to anger. And there's definitely no forgiveness with an accuser. It's only judgment. Not growth. We really need to capture that in our spirit. So, see, the thing about false guilt is that it keeps creeping up. And it will affect your self-worth, which will affect your self-esteem. And usually, it just takes over. It's just this horrible feeling. See, when we are being corrected in love, we realize that it was good for us. Like, oh, I I was a little quick-tongued, and I need to apologize and let that person know that I understand that that was not the proper position that I should be taking, nor was it the proper speech that I was given. You realize it. It See, the correction comes from the Holy Spirit. You, you realize that. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Uh, a lot of people say they feel conviction. And it will come out of you, out of your heart. And you want to reconcile that. You want to make that right. You want to do what you can. To get back in right standing because you know it's the right thing to do. And you purpose it in your heart and your mind. It's growth. You see it. It's not an argument. It's not a fight. You thank God for the opportunity that you can operate in a position of correction. Because that's a person that is worthy of your apology. That's the beautiful thing. It's instantaneously. It's of a divine nature. But the unhealthy one, the false guilt, the illegitimate guilt, it keeps gnawing and trying to knock out your self-esteem and your self-worth. And then you start overthinking and overanalyzing and just apologizing for everything. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that you just get so overworked and overwrought about it. It's not, it's not healthy. It just, it just doesn't end. It's, it's not of a divine nature. There's no peace there. And it just attacks itself like tentacles to past behaviors. Even going back as far as your childhood to where it's traumatizing you all over again. And it's got this hold on you. 
That's not who God is. That's not how he operates. Then it's a, 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 a victimization all over again. To the point where you believe that your voice is not worthy to be heard. You're having problems communicating. You're having problems expressing how you feel. So you have this anger that rises up and it's hot and it's white and it's quick. And it lashes and it cuts. And you're having these physical manifestations and things are happening and you're feeling pressure. You're feeling sick. It's not healing or healthy. It's not of a divine source. You need to reclaim your position. You need to take spiritual authority over that that's not healthy. That that's false. That that's illegitimate. It's fake. It's false. You got to put your foot down. Because when it's legitimate guilt, it's always going to provide repentance. That's the key. Let's go to Second Corinthians. You have to start diagnosing it. Writing down the symptoms. You will be able to clearly see the difference between legitimate guilt and that is that is not. So we're going to go to Second Corinthians and we're going to go to chapter 7. We are going to look at the Apostle Paul. Now the Apostle Paul had wrote a letter. And you're going to see how powerful this letter is. So I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, it's only about 16 verses. It'll go pretty quickly, but I think you'll appreciate these, this chapter. And it starts out in... Therefore, verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Verse 2, Open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. Verse 3, I do not say this to condemn for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. For great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all your tribulation. 
5. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. 6. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by coming of Titus. 7. And not only by his coming, but also by the constellation which, with which he was comforted in you. When he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. 8. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. 9. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance, for you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. 11. For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you and what clearing of yourselves what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. 12. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. 13. Therefore, we have been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. 14. For if anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed, but as we spoke in all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. 15. And his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all. Now with fear and trembling you receive him. 16. Therefore I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. Wow. Now Paul wrote this letter. And the study Bible says cleansing is twofold action. Turning away from sin and turning towards God. The Corinthians were to have nothing to do with paganism. They were to make a clean break with their past and give themselves to God alone. The phrase perfecting holiness connotes becoming mature or complete. Thus Paul wasn't suggesting that the Corinthians could become sinless in life. Instead, he was prodding them to work at maturing in their faith. God has provided them with all the resources they needed. And God's spirit, excuse me, and Christ's spirit would empower them to become Christ-like. We see that in Romans 8, 2. 
Paul insists that the Corinthians should open their hearts for him. He knew how much those in the church need one another. If fellowship was necessary in Paul's day, it is all the more crucial today. When time is more valuable than money, each day holds barely enough time to care for personal and family needs, let alone to meet the needs of others. Yet the activities that occupy our time are not as important as the community described in these verses. Paul's intention is not coffee and donuts between church fellowship. Believers need accountability that comes from lives intertwined by the cords of commitment and love. If you are not in a small group Bible study, take the first steps. Offer hospitality to fellowship believers who offer extend the hand of fellowship to you. Grasp it enthusiastically. Here Paul resumes the story that he left in 2.13 where he said he went to Macedonia to look for Titus. Though Paul still had many problems and hardships to face, he found comfort and joy in the progress of the ministry. My letter refers to the third letter, now lost, that Paul had written to the Corinthians. Apparently, it had caused the people to begin to change. For an explanation of the chronologically, chronology of Paul's letter to Corinth, see the first note in one one, and I'll go back to that. Sorrow for our sins can result in change behavior. Many people are sorry only for the effects of their sins or for being caught. Sorrow of the world. Compare Peter's remorse and repentance with Judas's bitterness and suicide. Both denied Christ. One repented and was restored to faith and service. The other took his own life. Paul affirmed that Corinthians for their right response to the correction he had given them. It's difficult to accept criticism, correction, or rebuke with poise and grace. It is much more natural to be defensive than counterattack. We can accept criticism with self-pity, thinking we don't really deserve it. We can be angry and resentful, but a mature Christian shows graciously, accepts constructive criticism, sincerely evaluates it, and grows from it. Paul, writing from Macedonia, hoped the news of the generosity of these churches would encourage them to solve the problems and unite in fellowship. Wow. So, so powerful. When we see what Paul's letter was meant to do, it is amazing that he says he's sorry, but not sorry, because it produced in them the spirit of wanting to repent. That's the difference in legitimate guilt, that it will produce in you the need and the desire to repent. It doesn't always feel good. But a feeling is not the objective here. The objective is to grow spiritually. And to be able to understand that God's perfect work has began in you and it will be completed in you. And it's part of the journey. We cannot come all this way in our journey and our walk 
and still be so prone to stumbling and then try to justify it? Who are you questioning? Are you questioning God's plan for you? Are you questioning his discipline of you? His chastening of you? Who and what, in fact, are you questioning? If it's coming from a divine source. Now, if it's not of God, then yes, we have to look at it very closely. And see why we're allowing it to take us over. When we know the difference. Simply, if it's not producing repentance in you, it's not of God. God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't need to keep beating you down. No, that's not how God operates. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at a few verses. Again, we're going to Hebrews chapter 12. And we are talking about legitimate guilt today. So, I think I'm going to start with the first couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 12. And then read on a little bit so that you can grasp the fullness of it. Verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us too, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 3. For consider him who endured such hostility, From sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. For you have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. Five, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to the sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Six, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Seven, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Eight, if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Nine, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and life? And live, excuse me, let me say that again. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Ten, for they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit 
that we may be partakers of his holiness. 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. 13. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. 17. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. It comes down to going back to verse 5. Have and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, for nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. 6. And for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he received. 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? It could be for a daughter too. You can interchange that, you know, because, you know, God is not a respecter of persons. So, he's speaking to us as daughters. I'm one of his daughters. And he's speaking to us as sons. It's important that we understand that. Now, we may respond to discipline or chastening in several ways. We can accept it with resignation. We can accept it with self-pity, thinking we really don't deserve it. Or we can be angry and resentful towards God. Or we can accept it gratefully as the appropriate response we owe a loving father. God is not only a disciplining parent, but also a demanding coach who pushes us to our limits and requires our lives to be disciplined. Although we may not feel strong enough to push on to victory, we will be able to accomplish it as we follow Christ and draw on his strength that we can use our growing strength to help those around us who are weak and struggling. This is so wonderful and powerful. When we look at legitimate guilt, there's a correction that comes from God. He is the creator. And he's making sure that you, his creation, stays 
in the full intent of his purpose and his design for you. See, he knows. We don't. And there's a natural response that should happen when we are coming in fellowship with him concerning guilt. What did Jesus say? He said he didn't come for the righteous. He came to call the sinner to repentance. It's his purpose. Can you imagine that guilt has a divine origin? Legitimate guilt. It will produce repentance. We need that in order to partake into salvation. You got to see how powerful that is. And that's why we have to reclaim our position and understand what true guilt is, not false guilt, not the guilt that acts as an accuser day and night, as we read about in Revelation, as what Satan was doing to the brethren. If we are being corrected, if we are growing, if we're able to see the error of our ways, then we're able to walk a straighter path. See, and if we do stumble, we'll be able to get back up and get in line because we understand what's happening to us spiritually. It's not something that's confusing us. We say it's our Father, our Heavenly Father, dealing with us, loving us, caring for us, speaking to us, showing us. As it said, being a coach. Don't you want the coach that was there with you before you even knew you were you? Don't you want the coach that operates in the divine, all righteousness, fair, loving, kind? And we have the Word of God, which is an open book that we have access to. We don't have to be in fear of our lives to read it and receive it. Whereas there are some in this season called now around the globe who there's a real fear because they could die for fellowshipping with the Word of God and just being a child of God. We don't have that concern here. So we need to enjoy it and take heed why we still can.
Now, I promised you two Greek words, and I am going to give those to you. Okay, the first one is Strong's G770, and it's asteno. Asteno. It means to be weak, feeble, to be without strength or powerless. And I'm going to spell it for you. A-S-T-H-E-N-E-O. A-S-T-H-E-N-E-O. Esteno. Now, the next one comes out of Strong's, and it's G1777. Again, it's Strong's G1777. And it has a hard pronunciation, so I am going to do the best that I can. Indicos. Indicos. And it's spelled E-N-O-C-H-O-S. E-N-O-C-H-O-S. And it means guilty of anything Worthy of punishment. A crime. Guilt with the penalty. Again, guilty of anything worthy of punishment. So those are my two Greek words. I appreciate you being patient with me in that I was not able to do it last week. So thank you again for your patience and I Hope that I blessed you and uh, being a woman of my word this week. So we need to deal with our guilt. We need to evaluate it. More so than anything, we need to ask God to give us the discernment to be able to differentiate what is legitimate and what isn't. We really need to get help from our Father if this is something that, you know, we are struggling with. Because we need to make sure and understand that there is something that produces repentance with legitimate guilt. It has a purpose. Remember, it has a purpose. God has a plan and purpose for our lives. He's not the author of confusion. You know, God is not to where he has to keep telling us something over and over and over again. He's very clear and concise. Now, when you ask something of God, be very specific because he's an intentional God and he will answer you. And I suggest that you seek confirmation and he will give you confirmation. He's not going to hold you out there. Like I said, he's intentional. When God said, let there be light, there was light. Not only was there light, it was good light. Amen? So, there's a part in guilt. And we have to see our part in it. And a lot of times... There was no other response that we could give at that particular time. A lot of us are suffering from childhood trauma and 
and it's produced guilt. Uh, but I say to you, uh, what could you do against a, an adult when you were three years old? What would be the conversation that you would have against someone that was put in a position of authority to care for you? Sometimes you can't do anything. You're frozen with fear. That's a natural response for a child. It's a natural response for anyone who is afraid. Please put it in its proper perspective. Sometimes there's nothing that could have been done other than what was done in your response. But are you growing from that? Is there peace? Do you feel God's divine hand is loving in his discipline? He's loving in his chastening. He's loving in his rebuke. It's not something that should be terrorizing you and crippling you and causing physical manifestations where you're experiencing extreme mental health and physical health issues. I would say that would not be of God. Remember, in Revelation, when we went to it and studied it, we looked at it together. 1210 talked about an accuser. And he did that to the brethren day and night. Your guilt should not be an accuser of you day and night. No, that is not legitimate. I appreciate you letting me discuss this with you today. Know that we love you as Jesus loves you more. And as we say here, save the loss at all costs and God bless you. It is our humble prayer that the most high God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 302 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations. 
donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what. Why don't you?